Welcome back, everyone, to Have You Tried Rebooting This Week, networking. Everybody's favorite topic. Or not. Or depending not. Depending on the person. But, I mean, well, this was kind of what I wanted to do, and I'll just kind of, like, share a little bit about why. I remember you and I are close to the same age, so you probably do, too. They, we have been alive the entire time. Like, we're just old enough to remember when... If you wanted to run your insert channel count mixer here at front of house, you had to run copper for the whole thing. Oh, yeah. The whole way there. Yep. And uh, and I remember in college we were at some venue and it was, hey, now it's this one cable. I was like, what? You know? And I don't think, I'm not sure it was Cat5. It was probably some, you know... Maddie proprietary whatever you know special digital optical cable or whatever yep. you know as the you know as the growth of things like that are yep you know and I remember people would trip over it and the whole the whole thing would cut out you know that was at that time that's just that's the growing pains of the system but to be able to watch that go to this thing now where we can plug almost all of our stuff into one switch and then just distribute everything is like ridiculous. Yeah, or two, depending. I guess your your main console connection is probably still proprietary, but you know when your entire run to the stage is like three cables and a power, and that's it. There's just it's come such a long way. But it, and I remember while that's happening, watching it and going like, gone are the days of, hey, I bought a mixer, I'm gonna start doing sound. Like you now have to, you know, have to have part like a solid understanding of just basic networking yeah you know not saying you need to be a full-on systems engineer but man when you start and you don't know anything about that it feels like you need to be a systems engineer (laughs) yep if um (laughs) luckily like a lot of the more intro ones that use digital snakes like your x32s and -hmm. stuff as long as you're plugged into the aes oh yeah it's mostly plug and play it's plug and play However, once you start getting into the world of adding waves or adding uh, SoundGrid or Dante or anything, or not like even that, that too, control, yeah, automation, yep. Again, not sure you're doing a lot of that in X32 land, but no, no, but mm-hmm. yeah, SoundGrid adds adds complexity, Dante adds complexity, and I mean they all look different in the interface, but as you start learning about the networking, it starts being becoming way easier to talk about it and yep. you know learn from people when you're like okay that's just another way of doing this or yeah i'm, I'm thinking through right now at our large campus we have it's two main ethernet lines the one mm-hmm. is audio one is etc net which is lighting yep that's it that's it i mean we have sdis we have now video this lines. is this is strictly for content Right? Mm-hmm. So when you say you have one for audio, that would be like just a Dante network? Uh, so we have a Digico SD8. That's right. That's connected to the um, the brains, which is the snake, which is actually up in our amp room, mm-hmm. uh, up behind our stage, which is that then a has... Digico network proprietary thing? I think so, yeah. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it's still just an average yeah. six cable. Yep. Uh, and then I look at our our secondary campus, which doesn't have anything that's super fancy to it. Um, 
it's from front of house rack to stage rack is two two network cables. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is sound grid. One is the normal network. So do you um, do you also are you running all of your like computers and stuff just on your main building network, or do you have a separate production network? Uh, there we have main building. Actually, I think at the main campus right now we're on the main building as mm-hmm. well. Okay. Uh, I don't think that the building was was constructed to have its own dedicated. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Later on, I would love to transition because it, it shouldn't be too difficult because our building was built in stages. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be hard to kind of disconnect from the main network and just transition all of our stage and broadcast and amp room uh, ports into a dedicated network. Yeah, I'm going to blow your mind when I start telling you how ours is set up. Uh, I already know yours <laughs> And everybody is, else's mind. <laughs> yeah, yours is, I already know, is a little bit more complicated. Is that a good place that. to start? And it didn't start that way. Um, I had a bullet or two here that we should start by explaining, because there's probably going to be two categories of listeners. There's some that are somewhat knowledgeable that, you know, are going to be able to, you know, hopefully get on the Discord and contribute to this discussion. Yep. And there's going to be people like worship leaders and stuff that are just looking for like an understanding of, you know, not I need to know how everything works, but just like, you know, what are we using it for? Yeah. What does it let us do? Yep. So, I mean, networking at that level is literally just connecting devices. And I'll tell you right now, through this whole thing, I I like to use an analogy of like a neighborhood. Yeah. Which, like, I'm not going to explain it all right now, but, like, as I go, you'll hear me reference, like, houses and stuff yep. like that. Like, that's that's the tangible that I draw because for people that don't really understand what's going on, it makes it easier to understand kind of, like, how it works. So, from there, if I start talking about ours. So, when I arrived at my current place of work, we were at a point where no everyone was afraid to update the computer running ETC EOS. Because at the time when you did that, it hosed the NIC. That's network interface card for everybody following at home. Yep. Meaning that you would have to go in and re-input all the IP addresses, subnets, yep. VLANs, all of that stuff. And nobody knew what they were because at some point in the past, someone had done some really funky stuff. And it worked. But... No one knew how it how But if it, it got goofed, we couldn't figure that out. Yep. And so um, I am very blessed. This is part of the reason ours is complicated to have the network, one of the top network admins for one of the largest school districts near our church on my team. There you go. So uh, there was a day that we were both in and he got his laptop out and we just went to the first switch backstage, plugged in, and we start reconfiguring, figuring out what stuff is. All the switches that we went through have a um, management IP address now on the Lightning Network, which means if you type in the IP address of the Lightning Network and a low number, you can get into the web interface for the switch. So if you're inside the worship center, you can access all the switches from any computer to work on them or work, you know, if you're plugging something new in that needs to access specific things, you can do all that. That'll make more sense later, but... We start adding that so we can get in and work on them. So one by one, we get all the switches kind of brought into one house, so to speak, so we could actually, like, look yeah. at them, figure out some of the stuff that's goofed, and then we start applying that to computers. So we have one, two, three, 
four switches across, not counting the server room, which functions as a bridge to our broadcast online yep. stuff. We have four production <clears throat> switches. They're like 48 channel switches. We're not using them all. I was going to say, that's a lot of points. And, and part of that was like when they were doing an install, they, they aimed big and put extra stuff in. You know, always do that. Always, so we always, have always. a big switch uh, backstage. That's like the ticket. And then, so the the main two, I added a couple. The main two are there's one backstage, and there's a, a I don't know I can't remember if it's a fiber link. There's a link to a second switch in our tech balcony, which is like where the video yeah stuff. It's like this upstairs area. It's hard to explain to someone that hasn't seen it, but. Um, it's kind of like the hub for a lot of this stuff. So we have a fiber pole from our server room to that balcony area. There's a big switch there distributing to a lot of gear, and then there's a switch backstage. That's where we were when I started. We added a switch at front of house. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is tied into there that distributes to some things. And then I added another switch in a rack that we have upstairs where our uh, video switcher is mm-hmm. and... Um, for people to know what biamp is, which is like, well, we talked about this. I think in last week, so two or three. Yeah, we talked about this a little while ago. Yeah, for lobby distribution and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's a switch there. So instead of because what was happening was the switch in that balcony is like in the corner, and all the stuff that needs to plug into it is like around. And so rather than run like thirty foot cat lines every time we had to, you know. Some yeah. of them all, some of like eight of them needing to go to this rack. I put, I was like, put a switch in the rack and run everything to there. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Right. So then it's just one cable. That leaves us with four switches now. Um, if we're looking at the neighborhood model yeah. here, that would be the equivalent of like four subdivisions. Yep. Right. If you have one big neighborhood, you have someone that lives on this cul-de-sac, someone that lives on this cul-de-sac, and two more. So from there, that allows us to plug everything in and access the building network. Yep. For our computers, they can be happy. Building network, um, what we start running into is, say, I can't remember which device. I want to say it was a HyperDeck, the Blackmagic HyperDeck. Okay. They were using to like record a main video feed or something. Hook the video feed in, whatever. Um, but then the HyperDeck has to network back to the switch. Right. Right. And the way we're currently set up is we have a uh, advanced panel on a desk network back to the switch, which is in a rack. So technically your cables go back to the switch, which is in the rack, not to each other on the desk. Yeah. So... Um, some devices, and I think that HyperDeck is one of them, are what I call dumb devices, which means if they see data from another network or from another, like, subdivision, they don't like that. So this is where we get into the ever-confusing VLAN or virtual local area network, which is literally letting you have multiple networks on one cable. Yeah. And you do that by subnet, which is subnets are like street addresses. Or, sorry, no, subnets are like those subdivisions. So if I live on center view court and you live on mid view court, right? Yep. We probably have like four or five production VLANs 
basically one for each medium. We have video net, lighting net, or for like you, as for us, is ETC net. Right. Um, an audio network. And then there's a couple other kind of funky ones. We have an isolated one for Dante because of the yeah. data stream. If you're multicasting, takes up lots of space. And then uh, there's also a like production network, which is where the biamp distribution happens. There's a couple other ones. In terms of the ones that I've made, though, it's audio visual, audio video lighting, basically, yeah. and then a video a tie into the building network. So, and then you tag those on the ports. Right. So, you know, all of our computers are tagged on like a bazillion networks because they all need to talk to all of them. But by separating those out, that video device that's dumb now no longer sees, you know, like if you're going to deliver a letter, you would put in, hey, my buddy that lives at this IP address on Centerview Court. Right. Right. And then it sends it to them. So anyone that lives in those other subdivisions now never sees that information. If you have everything on one network, all the information for every IP address is going past your mailbox. And those dumb devices, when they see one of those and they go, that number doesn't even match my house address, and they just shut off and they stop working or they throw (laughs) errors at you. Yes. So you chunk it all out so everyone's mail goes to the right place. Yep. Right. And then you have that kind of stuff happening. So, But you have to go into those. This is where that having everybody on the same web management comes into play. So you can go back in and be like, hey, yep. I want this port. I, pl- I plug this dumb box into port 29. Port 29 is only going to see information from the video network because it's a video device. Yeah. Right? Tagging and untagging is what we call that. Tagged on port 29, or, well, in this instance, be untagged. It's the backwards of what you think, right? Untagged means it's the dominant network. Tag means it's an additional network. Yeah. So all of our computers are untagged on the building network and then tagged on any audiovisual lighting device networks they would want to talk to. But their main job is to be on the building network. Right. Yeah, I think you have to also, like, some places have an IT guy that do that does all the networking stuff. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I'm no, I'm no systems admin. Um I refuse, if people ask me to work on stuff, I refuse anything in the server room outside of, oh, we have one other network, which is a video distribution network for NDI. Yeah. Um, One of our NDI switches is in the server room. The only time I go into the server room planning to touch anything is if I have to work on that switch, which is labeled as ours as an NDI switch. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. No, we have um, our... Internal networking is actually done by our facilities team. Oh. So do they all just have networking knowledge? Is one of the guys like a network guy? And then he also helps for maintenance when he's not stuck doing other stuff. So our primary facilities manager is actually, he's a network guy. He's all around, just he could do pretty much anything. He actually (laughs) used to run sound when he was like 22. That's funny because one of our maintenance guys is kind of like that too. um, But we also, we contract a lot of uh, IT stuff to a local um, company. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's cheaper than hiring a full-time guy. And we have over 100 full-time staff, so it makes sense that we actually would need somebody to handle the IT stuff. Well, this is a this is a very good discussion to have. I see a lot of people struggling with this, you know, like yep. and you have to ask yourself how important is it? Yep. And, and the way I like to explain this is during COVID, 
if that stuff went down, what would you have done? Right. You're going to wait for that company to show up because no one can work. No one can have meetings. No one can do anything. You yep. can't stream. If your internet's down, no church. We had that problem last week when that switch broke. Someone <laughs> stepped on a power supply for a sw- for that NDI switch I just mentioned in the, in the server room. And yeah, fortunately, people can go in there. Fortunately, the guy that was mixing online audio was at this rehearsal, and I had asked him. We were having a problem with one of our because we have a couple of different Pro Tools templates depending on the person. Yeah. And one of the templates had the solo mode selected wrong and was saved that way. So if you soloed, it would cut the feed. Whoops. And a lot of them don't <laughs> solo during service, but I was like, you all should be able to. Like this is yeah. this is part of the reason we wanted to use Pro Tools. Yeah. You know, um, and so he's like, I think I got it. Can we check it? And I was like, well, can't you just check the TV? Because part of the NDI network has the multi-view from the ATEM yeah. being distributed. So we can pull, pull it into any Well, of course, we want. your guys', is, your guys is, um, uh, audio space for your live stream is on the other, on the side, other side of your of the campus. Building. Yeah, yeah. You have to take a walk. <laughs> so he's like, can we test it? I was like, well, yeah. He's like, can't you just use the TV? TV's not working. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, if I turn it on, it says no signal. I was like, Okay. So I come in, so I go take a walk over there, you know, go in the room. Yeah. Okay. Got the NDI box under the table. So I go down to check it. Lights off. Well, it's powered by PoE, power over Ethernet. Yep. I was like, okay. So I go into the server room, switches off. Now I'm starting to get a little worried. Then I go around <laughs> the back and I find this piece bent off. I can put a picture in the Discord. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah how does this happen yeah i mean well that but at that point i'm calling like superior i'm like i don't know if we're gonna be this is the day before good friday oh yeah you I'm, called me yeah, in a panic. i texted you yeah, i texted you, texted you to see panic. if you had like, one you have I was one of like, these i don't know how we're gonna do this i was like this switch being down that's how we get our content out to the world yep um redundancies my friend redundancies well there shouldn't be people goofing around in the server room. <laughs> How do you get behind a server rack and you step on a cable? Well, I'd have to show you the room. It, it The rack is mounted sideways, so, like, there oh. is walk space by the back. But this unit is, like, five units up. It's not like you just accidentally kicked it. Like, you, it got stepped on. Hmm. That's what it looks like anyways. Hmm. So, yeah, that was a fun... I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a hole, but... Uh, but uh, what were but, we going? What were we getting into? We're, we're talking about networking and the importance of it. Uh, but like, oh, the like you're talking about hiring people out, and, right? And at what at what point, you know, does that become a thing? Right, and and that's the thing. Like, so our facilities manager, he can take care of ninety percent of everything that is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, the IT guy or the IT company is there just to help him. So, so does that facilities guys fill help tickets then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if there's a help ticket for a computer, stuff like that, that goes to him. Um, when there's a help ticket for like a projector, it gets passed back to to uh, the team that I'm on. Creative, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So it goes to him first, but then he will then – so everything goes to him, and then he distributes depending on sure. um, what team needs to handle it. Interesting. Um, so that means you have twenty four seven ticket support. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, our current system is. Um, we have a guy on our team. He's been here a long time. He's not. He's not crazy old or anything. He's just been here a long time. Yeah. Um, and part of it right now is like part of his. I think he's just he's considered like part time contracting staff, 
part of his hours, he runs front of house twice a week. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that stemmed from a time of needing stability in the mix environment. That makes sense. I think some of the stuff that, you know, in the last couple of years that I've kind of tried to create stability, you know, even though there's potentially three of us mixing regularly. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, but you have to have the same standard and basically well, the same mastering. sound some each week. Some of that mastering chain stuff comes into play when you bus compress and stuff. It's like, yeah, people can mix a little differently, but the levels are going to be, be somewhat similar. And yeah. especially online, you know, we have almost a full full five or six plug-in stack, you know, that, and, um, one of the guys could literally, we tried this, he was running his own template and I was like, Hey, let's, I was like, cause the goal is to make you right. know, a consistent sound. Yeah. Let's take my mastering chain and put it in your session. And he was like, this is night and day. I was like, yeah. And I didn't, I'm not, cha- I'm not making any creative decisions for you. I just, other than, you know, a little bit of flavor off that mastering, you know, but it's yeah. a couple of BBE harmonic maximizers with like 0.5%. Yep. And uh, we have that Shadow Hills Industry compressor and a couple of things. And you stack those up though and you get, it's just, that's that sound. That's how yeah. it was built. And I was like, you can still do anything else you want inside this template as long as like, but he's like, no, this sounds great. I was like, yeah, let's save that in there. And so now I've got all my guys running this mastering chain right it just brings this stability and it's kind of the same thing down there so it's like even though we have three people right you know but so he's been around the longest um so right now once a week on thursdays he and a couple other guys are like in the office doing it stuff yeah it's like a part-time thing though you know so and i don't know if it's true or not but like you know we had a phone issue on a monday and they're not until thursday so, like, well, of I course, think someone phones... else in the building was in the server room trying to troubleshoot the phone issue, and that's how my cable got stepped on. Yeah, it would make sense. I know for a fact it happened between Sunday and Thursday because we streamed on Sunday and it was fine. That's fair. And we caught it on Thursday. So I was like, it could be something like that. I was like, I don't There's no way to know. Right. But that begs the question of, like, you know, are we going to send people that have no idea what this equipment does? poking around in a room with thousands of dollars worth of stuff because we don't want to have either one, a management company offsite that's doing our help tickets yep, or two, a person to do that. Well, I like you guys' solution. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. My last church, 500-ish, five, 600 people had a full-time IT person while I was there. Full-time creative or full-time tech and full-time IT. But she also- Separate? Yes. Separate She positions. functioned also as, as like, helped with communications and stuff like that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's similar to how you guys are, are roping it into maintenance. Yeah. It was just into communications and stuff Yeah, in that instance. But it, it's nice because, you know, if she needs to pull a new switch line for a router, I can help with that skill right. set, skill set overlap. You know, it's like, yep. hey, I need you to come down and help oh, me yeah. with XYZ because I need a better networking stuff here but i don't want to just tap the building and cause a problem we actually crashed the whole building once because we were trying to update a time code clock on our lighting console (laughs) that was fun networking Um, networking if done right is good if done wrong you crash an entire building mm -hmm. trying to update a clock well i mean and you think of you know (laughs) you and i both freelance a little bit outside of church yeah um 
like I use some of the same concepts in my in my yeah. personal rig where, you know, I've got two or three VLANs built and potentially, you know, either I would run a multi-core snake with like three Cat5 lines yep. or everything plugs into a switch in my rack and the Wi-Fi is split into three. So if you're running lights with your tablet or right. computer, you log into the lighting network and you run your you run lighting IP. Yep. But that doesn't touch the audio at all. The right. audio is plugging in somewhere else and doing different stuff. It's all on the same same concept. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I know enough networking to be dangerous, but I'm not like super hmm. in the field. I I can hook up. Um, like I built a, a Dante network from scratch. Um, I actually I built an entire. Those are pretty important these days. Yes, I built an entire. Uh, production network from scratch at my previous church ah. uh we had a a main that's fun uh a main feed switch in the booth but i was like i want my production network to be separate from that and so yeah. i ended up getting a second switch i didn't use vlan because it was an unmanaged switch that they were using so oh, i just yeah. got a second switch and built my own network and then i tied it to the main where i could fire out into it and i could see computers into the main yeah. but it was it the public access Wi-Fi, which was on the main network, could not see my production network. Gotcha. Um, but then I also tied in um, a router to that so that I could run um, Wi-Fi and have production For production stuff, internet access, everything. Like I got a call two months after I left. They're like, "How did you do that?" Our IT company said that shouldn't be possible. <sighs> Oh, anything's possible if you understand a yeah. little bit of what it's doing. I think uh, – I can't remember how ours is anymore. We either tap – they have ours set up with like a staff wireless and a public wireless. Yep. And I think I just landed all of our wireless stuff onto the staff wireless. So that in Florida we did that, but they couldn't figure out how to um... – Mind you, this is an enterprise-level IT – like. You know, yeah, we're talking like thirty plus access points, probably. Yeah. So, well, so we had like seven. Our campus yeah. was not super big. This is the previous church I was at. Um, we also run fiber backbone. That makes a difference. Yes, we did not. We yeah. had Ethernet lines throughout the building. Yeah. If you're if everyone's phones are tapping out your, it yeah that doesn't now work. <laughs> it was supposed to the networks were supposed to uh, prioritize the staff. But it, yeah. I don't think – I didn't feel like it ever did, and that was why I built out the production network the way that I did. <laughs> so I tapped it in. At first, I tapped it into the network switch that was there, and then after a while, I ended up running it down to our um, the fiber box where it came into the building directly okay. from Spectrum. Okay. Or, sorry, they had AT&T. Um, Same difference. <laughs> yeah, the AT&T fiber into the building. So I ended up running production stuff directly there. Okay. So it comes in at that fiber modem and then split into a network switch and one network switch fed or one out one point fed to the main building stuff and then the, yeah. the other okay. one fed straight to my production stuff. So you're using mostly unmanaged stuff? Yeah. I say manage. Manage is a whole other level, but uh, man, can you do some cool stuff? Yes, you can. Uh, I did. I did. I did some classes in IT and networking and stuff, and that's like, 
one of those worlds that I'm scared to really get into because I don't want to break stuff. You got to start small. Yes. Start small. And this is where, like, ha- this is where, you know, that story I told earlier, like, having someone that does that there to yes. kind of, like, make sure nothing was going to super break. Like, I still will ask him sometimes if I'm doing some weirder stuff. Like, uh, um, well, you, you're pretty versed in lighting world, so you'll probably understand that when I brought my lights back, I had to have some of my lights serviced. Yeah. And they came back, and they were using the, like, generic... Um, lighting guy IP scheme. You know oh. what I'm talking about? Where it's like it's like a broadcast address instead yeah. of an actual IP address. Yeah. And so being having redone the system on ETCnet, I was like, well, I should be able to just give these an IP address on the ETCnet. But they also function as a gateway, which means if they're on universe three, the DMX out is supposed to be spitting out universe three. Right. So our current rig, that entire trust bar is Almost, well, I'm, I think I had to pull one separate line for some, like, um, color bars where they're, like, pixel mapped. But almost the entire bar is being powered by just, I was like, I have four movers, and rather than put them all in the same universe, they're each on different universes. Yeah. So each it, one is outputting an entire universe of stuff that then chains to the rest of the stuff. Right. Like, because that gives you a lot more expandability right. and flexibility. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the problem being was... Uh, you had to like tick a button to tell it you wanted, or like there's a menu you go into and you say, I want it to be taking its input data from, and then you pick like Artnet or DMX uh, or analog or whatever. Yeah. And they were set to analog from the shop. So I give them the IP address and they're not working. I'm like, I literally just hoisted this thing up in the air <laughs> and nothing's working. And I know everyone's like, oh yeah, you probably should check it beforehand. And, um, I think the main reason I like I checked one at a time. Yeah. But I and I I checked the light itself. I didn't check anything downstream of it, mainly because the power and stuff it, it like goes up the back of our curtain and then it comes back down. Yeah. So I would have had to like completely like run all these extensions down. I was like, I can just check it in the ceiling with a lift. It's not a big deal. And I've used all you know, it's not like it's a brand new cable. I've used all these power drops before. I've used the data drops yeah. before. So I'm like, what the heck? And then I finally was like, I finally started poking around. I was like, oh, they're set to analog mode and just the button and the whole thing fires up. I was like, including all the ones downstream, you know, everything's right. like, oh, hey, we're happy now. I was like, you know, sometimes you miss that one tiny detail. Yeah, I'm like texting all my network specialist friends and it's like, oh, yeah, you just got to push the right button. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Doi. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm with you on that. There were some times where I was very scared to, uh, start touching, start stuff. working on some stuff. I have, I have, I know a lot of people that are very much into the networking field. Um, uh, my dad is an IT guy, has been for like 30 years. Uh, one of my best friends, he literally works for, um, a company they they started out as a um like an electrical engineering company but now they do a lot of automation over network oh and, yeah and stuff like that and he kind of oversees and designs those systems mm-hmm. so whenever i have a network question i just text him just like hey why won't my switch do this or why can't i access that and he's usually like just do this 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 and this and then it'll work and i just follow his directions and it works yeah it was like all right and the more you do it the more you figure it out oh yeah you know 
Um, and again, like I can figure out IP addresses. I can figure out how to get things to talk to each other. Uh, yesterday, me and that facilities guy were trying to track down a weird issue with one of our servers. Oh, fun. We couldn't access the server. He could ping the server, though, and the server would ping back. Those are fun, aren't they? Right. It's on the network. It's seeing it. We can ping it. It pings back, but, but we can't, can't access it. it. You're trying to access it via IP? Uh-huh. Is it possible that something else has been brought online recently that has, took its IP address? No. We checked that. That's fun. Yeah, we checked that. Did you figure out what it was? Uh, no, he ended up putting a ticket into the company <laughs> that we contract. We're just like, you know what? Let's let the people who do yeah. networking stuff full let time. The people that we're paying to yeah. do this do it. Yeah. We're like, we're like, we we can do networking stuff, but let's let the people who do it full time and actually like that's their thing. For everyone listening that doesn't know what pinging is, it's basically sending a data pulse to a as we go back to the street address, it's like sending a letter that says, Hey, do you live here? to the yep. house and then the person would answer the letter and send something back to the reply to sender. And it happens in like a split second, but it's like a diagnostic tool used to um, let I, you know whether things are plugged in and on and assigned correctly. Because if you get an error back, you know something's not right. Right. And anything that can be networked will ping. You mm-hmm. can ping it. Yep. Anything with an address. Yep. I was going to ask you if uh, if your ETC net uses the subnet 255.255.0.0. Like they recommend, or if you use a regular one. Oh yeah. You do that. You use the yeah. the two yeah. zeros. Yep. So you can identify the device. Yep. Which everyone's like, why do you care about this? I just I find it really interesting that they did this, and it's like genius. Yeah. That the first decimal point or the third decimal place is literally just like an ID tag for what kind of gear it is. Yep. So you can look down your like tables and be like, oh yeah, there's the console, there's the gateway. Yep, there's this. Well, so we have um, right now we have a Vista i3 for our lighting console, mm-hmm. but we run it networked out. The one that's like dying. Oh, the one that's yeah. Uh, it yeah. Um, <clears throat> we've it has been turned off for approximately three minutes since October of last year. <laughs> it has been on <laughs> round the clock. Uh, I mean, ours is on all the time, but ours is a computer, so. Well, I mean, ours is too. It's a Linux computer built into a console. Well, yes. I'm saying ours is a PC with USB control surfaces. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> ours has a – so the motherboard in ours is dying. Um, each time it shuts down, we're afraid the it's hard drive won't – turn back on. Yeah, the hard drive won't spin back. Somebody else was like, well, we'll just swap out the hard drive. Like put a new hard drive in it. SSD. Or throw an SSD in there. <laughs> however, however, the problem is is multiple of – Buttons don't work. Um, yeah, that would that would that'd be hard. The second HDMI output doesn't work. The uh, couple of the USB ports don't work. Um, the dials don't. Most of the the dials cut in and out. They work one day and they don't work the next. Ugh. So it's just like, yeah, it's no, it's helpful. it's it's beyond it's beyond help, and it's been there for a decade. We've we've gotten our money's worth out of it and. We'll have to do a conversation about that at some point is churches need to learn how to throw things away and buy new gear. Throw things away or it's not even throw things away. It's because uh, we've – yeah, we should talk about that. It, it's it's when you buy a new PA. 
It doesn't last eternity. It doesn't last forever. And ever from the, I think there's like like thinking like elders and some of the people that aren't as technologically inclined. It's like, oh, we bought that. We're good now. It's like, well, what's your replacement plan? Are you going to get to the same spot in 20 years where you're like, hey, we need Mm -hmm. a new PA? Yep. And where are we going to come up with $80,000 or depending on how big your space is? You know, like, oh my gosh, that's so much money. It's like, well, we could have been putting away a couple thousand dollars every year for the past 20 years and we'd be at 20 or 30 grand. Depending on what you're replacing, you know, like if you're running a passive PA, you could put new line arrays in and use the same amps and it might be okay. You might have to send them off and get them serviced or something, but that's a fraction of the cost of buying brand new high-end amps. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll make a pot we'll make an episode about that. No, right now my challenge is like I'm trying to find a way to replace this lighting board without spending tons of money. Mm-hmm. Not Are you because trying we, to keep the same OS or what? Uh yes and no. I want to make the jump to the, the Grand MA system. Mm-hmm. Um I wanna get more lighting to actually justify the yeah. Grand MA system. But that's where we want to be. That's kind of where leadership has said we want it to go. So we're actually looking at investing in lighting soon. Um, And then the Grand MA will fit our needs for that. However, I'm the only person on staff or in the church that's ever used one or has any. Doesn't mean that's a reason you shouldn't do something. Correct, because I can train people. And in we rented the Grand MA as a backup console for Christmas. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I did a quick training with our tech assistant because I couldn't be there every service because I had to be at the other co- the other campus. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to program you a generic walk-in look, a generic worship look, a generic talking look. You know, the worship literally just had the movers slowly going side to side so that no matter what song it was, there's some movement but nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I programmed a hazer on off button. Yep. yep. And I did a quick, here's how you swap the, the ETC network over to the Grand MA from oh, uh, gosh. Your, your Vista. Super simple. I had it set up on the Grand MA. You just unplug the uh, Vista, unplug Vista yeah. from the ETC net and you plug in the MA and it was probably eight seconds or so and it figured it out and mm-hmm. did it for you. And then I just saved that to the MA. Yeah. That way, when they had to switch it again, it was instantaneously. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the beauty of, you know, it's a network jack. Plug it in. Yep. Give it the right address. Well, oh, yeah, the other piece that I had to program on the MA. So our LED wall pulls power from our lighting system. What? It's the only thing in the building that has enough power for that thing. So what? It's we have power from your lighting. You're talking. You just have like a relay that turns a bunch of circuits on, and you pull from those circuits. No, no, no. they're dimmable circuits. We just have the circuits set to be non-dim, so it's on/off. Okay. But if they're not being told to be on, they shut off. Oh well, it's better than them going to fifty (laughs) percent. Yes. Uh, So we. we I had to set up the MA so that when you networked it in, it would kick those circuits back on. Yep. Because if the Vista died like home it would, states. Right. Yeah. It would stop telling the Oh yeah. It would the, tell them to shut off. Right. And so you'd like a couple a couple rows of our wall are plugged into normal outlets. Like they wouldn't <sighs> have shut off, but like it would have looked really weird. 
Yeah, if you got like two rows left. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Luckily, our wall kicks on pretty quickly. Well, that's the so. fun. I mean, you know, it's not, there's your networking and the application. There's so many different things you do with it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted to talk about Companion. Oh, yeah. I think there's some people that... Uh, I don't really use it. I, I would I, love to know more about it and start using it, but I don't. It's a fantastic tool, um, especially, I mean, you know, not saying it can help anyone, but especially in like smaller churches. Yeah. Um, because it lets you, it can let you, it could be as simple as making, you know, tactile surface buttons for piece of equipment that you're on or make presets. Like I have one at our front of house. So, well, let me back up. Well, no, I'll tell that story first. Sorry. I have one in front of house that when there's a funeral, you can come in and push the funeral button and it turns the projectors on. It routes the projector aux on our ATEM to the computer at front of house, which we run ProPresenter to run slides from. So the one person can run sound and slides. Nice. It, it's a, it's been being weird the last couple of times, but it's supposed to flip a scene on the D, on the D live that wipes the surface except for like two talking mics and a couple, like a keyboard and something else. So they're not trying to flip through you know, yeah. 8 billion tracks, pages, and stuff. Yep. Um, it fires a basic lighting look. So basically you come in and push the funeral button, and you're ready for a funeral. Yeah. Other than put some batteries in however many mics you need to use. Right. Super easy. And the idea being people would constantly, oh, the tech's not here. Is someone going to be here? Like, yeah. But do you want to pay for them to come in an hour early and sit there while you set up your picture boards? Right. The issue was the, the the issue was you don't see them and people were just being unease. I was like, look, just go push this button. Yeah. And they'll be there with plenty of time to set up with, if there's a musician or whatever to coordinate and get that done. It's like let's respect everyone's time here. Yep. Um, so you could do stuff like that. We have the way that I I'm kind of my vision right now is I would like to have one at every production position. And I'm looking at it. I need to get a bigger one for our CG person. And the reason being is if someone gets sick or doesn't show or or I'm running a position and have to step away, um, they have this new thing called satellite, which means you can run an instance of companion remotely but have it tie back to a different computer to run it. Oh. So basically I build my button panel inside one Excuse me. Inside one computer, because your your button panel, you're you're just using Stream Decks for that. Yes. Well, okay. there's a couple products you can use Stream Decks, the popular one, but it's it's all set up with a web interface, and so basically there's like a basic network loop, and the Stream Deck, you know, you run the companion application, and it looks to usually it's just a loopback one twenty seven zero zero zero. Yeah. Right. And it looks to itself in that case, and then it looks to the web instance, and it tells it what the buttons are. But if you run if you run this satellite, I can plug my Stream Deck into this other computer, point it back to the main computer, and it will look to that computer for its button config, which means every Stream Deck in the room could be looking back to one computer for its button config. Oh. So then what I do is I make I make a couple separate pages of buttons, and there's one for each position. There's a lighting position that's just a go button. Yep. So if lighting person has to walk out, front of house guy can bump down and start bumping lighting cues. Yeah. Uh, there's a page for CG. So ideally, once we get a couple more, video director, you know, hey, there's a problem and whatever, you know, the keys are messed up. Oh, I can push this and refire the pro presenter look that sends the two feeds to the keys because sometimes we're on the wrong one. Yeah. 
you know, because we run lower thirds for worship and then we run full screen everything for the message. Yeah. You know, so if that look is misformatted, though, or it didn't get put on a slide, you can fire it manually from the button to fix it without yeah. without having to do all this back and forth CG talk. Like someone just has to push the button and it's done. Um, I have a button at CG when we don't have a support person that you can run Planning Center Live by pushing a button. And it'll automatically fire the next item of the next plan in a specific category. Gotta get your head around that one. That's a fun one. That's a weird one. That one makes sense, though. It does. It's it's really helpful. And I'd like to get one of the mini stream decks for our support person to just be able to bump through. So are you... Um... I should look at doing that for our producer station at the main at the big mm-hmm. campus. Um, you could probably tie it to markers in Ableton because you can have it do MIDI commands. Oh, we can automate it. There you go. Yeah, they like automating. Which means MDs from I mean anyone anywhere that has access to a panel can fire track one, track two, track three, track four. Huh? Do you do you? I've not played with that one yet. But. In your setup, have it? Um, do you have like a dedicated computer running companion? So, yeah, so the CG machine, which is, we just put in a new Mac studio. Yeah. I mean, right up until now, I only have two stream decks. I have one at front of house by the audio position, and I have one at the CG machine. Okay. So they're just local instances. Um, I was playing around with that satellite that I was just telling you about the other day just Mm -hmm. to see, and literally, um, I was testing on the front of house machine, and it's cool because... If I load up satellite, you you can watch the button configuration switch to match the one upstairs. And nice. if I close satellite and open the lo- the local one up, it'll load back to its last state from the local one. So they both technically exist. Nice. That's cool. And I was like, the, the, the reason satellite would win is as I'm pitching, like, I want to put another one in at lighting and video. Yeah. Potentially, if I can find a way to make it talk to Pro Tools so I can fire auto-tune keys. Um, yep. put one upstairs and it would be a lot easier to just point them all back to that computer. So if I have to update them or reprogram, yep. I can just do it once, not, you know, okay, here's this one, export the config file. Let's take it to the, you know, yeah. take it to a lighting computer, upload the config file, take it to the sound computer, upload the config file, just have it be a dynamic environment from one place. But yeah, I mean, looking through the modules, there's not a lot that it can't do. And if you get like a loop deck or the stream deck plus that has a knob, you can yeah. have faders. Yep. Turn faders. Um, that's a fun, you know, if you're looking for ways to increase stuff, it doesn't require rocket science level of networking. You have to have a network. Yes. Um, but outside of that, as long as your computers can talk to each other, it's pretty, and it's pretty robust. All I and do is I set it as a login simple. item, so it starts by itself when the computer starts, and that's about all you have to do. Yeah. It is simple. Yeah, it's fairly simple. But multi-action buttons, and uh, we have a whole page. I think it's like page 50 that's dedicated to what I call like ghost buttons, which are um, it they're because the companion interface is like a virtual stream deck. Yeah. And they're all tied to ROS talk commands from ProPresenter. So ProPresenter is, you know, like ProPres- like on a regular morning yeah. at um, ProPresenter is the master timer. So when we hit 15 minutes before s- service, ProPresenter fires off a countdown, which then pushes several stream deck buttons, which format or that selects the aux for the lobby TVs and changes it to the worship center feed. Yeah. It selects the correct input so that the correct 
video feed is going to those TVs and a bunch of stuff like that. So it huh. basically f- totally formats the video system. Yeah. Um, there was a time where it was also fire. It was also sending commands to our hyperdeck to start recording when they clicked the bumper video, so we could record just the message. You know, and there was a there's like a macro in ProPresenter that says like at eight thirty eight a.m. format the hyperdeck card, so it's blank. But it's all just Ross talking the nice. companion blank buttons that are then yeah. sending the commands out. So that's like the, you know, so we were. I was playing around with her while we're trying to run Planning Center Live from ProPresenter. Yeah. First slide of every song fires the next item. Actually makes sense until you figure out, well, how do we bump the hosting? How do we bump, you know, and if we forget to put that in, who is watching it to run it instead? So we haven't actually used that one yet, but I have confirmed that it is doable. Interesting. Yeah. If you can think of it, you can probably find a way to automate it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <clears throat> so it, it's i highly recommend for what a regular stream deck for like a hundred bucks or whatever or 200 bucks or whatever it's um you know if you're one of those if you're a smaller church person and you're finding that yourself in that situation where you need to uh run multiple things it gives you a tactile button panel yeah. to run your stuff. I know some people that run their entire ATEM video switcher with a Stream Deck instead of paying for the panel so you have buttons. Yes. You know? Yep. And I believe uh, our friend the other day was telling me there's an iPad app where you can run the Surface on an iPad or a tablet. Since it's web-based, you I, yeah, there's no I reason you can't it. do that. So there's a lot of options. Um so for anyone looking to kind of start poking around in some networking stuff, that's a great place to start. It's kind of like a little pet project. And yeah, um, you just kind of keep having those moments. You're like, oh, man, this would be a game changer. This would help so much. This would help this. This would help that. And the yeah. hardware is not expensive. No. No, a six-button stream deck is like 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Yep. I think it's what? one fi- Is it 150 for the next 12-button one? Uh, no, that is... 120 gets you a 15-button one. Oh, okay. Two. Oh, yeah, 15 is the next one. Yeah. And then the XL is 200, I think. Yep, that's 200. It's also 200 for the 8-button but 4 dial. Yep. Yep. So if anyone at Stream Deck wants to sponsor us. Oh, man. Alex Bison. enough. In case I already said too many good things, but um, there you go. There's the net- networking everything, more than you ever wanted to know. Or less, depending on or less. how much you wanted to know. <laughs> well, I doubt those people are still listening. That's fair. They, <laughs> once we once you started into your uh, stream deck convo, you, they probably went. Yeah. So. All well. right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Remember, as always, Facebook, Discord. Until next time. Have a good week. Bye.